Well, take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As you're turning there, let me just make a quick announcement. Uh, On our Facebook page and several of our Facebook pages, there's a GoFundMe page uh, for our brother Sheldon Hunt. Uh, We're trying to raise, uh, actually, 15,000 is the goal, but uh, we're trying to help our brother uh, with his living arrangements and some of his expenses that he has uh, as he has transitioned to another facility in the last couple of weeks. So if you want to go there on the Facebook page, it's on the New Life page. It's on my personal page. I think it's on Wayne's page and James's page and different people's pages. But uh, feel free to contribute as the Lord leads you. Amen? Okay, so we're in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to talk to you today about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, As you know, in July, we've been talking about every sermon has been based upon the concept of communing with the Lord or or communicating with the Lord. Uh, The first Sunday was abiding in the vine. Uh, last, uh, then the next one was uh, found in the wilderness. Last Sunday was uh, from Luke chapter 7, Jesus Waits. I just want to make a comment about that sermon. Uh, I practiced what I preached this week based on that sermon. Uh, what I mean was there were three basic points of that sermon. That the woman with the alabaster flask, if you don't remember, I'll refresh your memory. She came with her tears. She came with her kisses. And she came with her oil. And, and the kisses, uh, the tears represented her brokenness. And Jesus responded in three ways in that passage. The first thing he said was, your sins are forgiven. And so I kind of put that together. The, the, the tears and brokenness reminds us, or we receive from the Lord, the idea or the, or the truth that our sins are forgiven. And so when I prayed this week, I actually used those three things. I brought my tears before the Lord, I, I, my brokenness, And I felt the Lord say, your sins are forgiven. And I brought my kisses before the Lord, my worship, right? And the second thing the Lord says, your faith has saved you. And after I was worshiping the Lord and giving the Lord my kisses, I felt a confidence, I'm saved. I wouldn't be doing this unless I was saved. And then I, then I, I brought the oil. The oil represents our good works, our good deeds, which, which happen frequently around here. And I felt the Lord say, the third thing he said was, go in peace. So in that act of the tears and the kisses and the oil, there was brokenness and there was worship and there was the gifts and there was, you know, uh, you're forgiven, you're saved, and now go in peace. And that's a great way to, if, if anyone's looking for a way to pray, that would be a great way to pray. You could do a long version or a short version. You could do that for an hour or you could do it for 10 minutes if you want. But, but give the Lord your tears, give the Lord your kisses, give the Lord your oil. You'll sense the Lord speaking back to you. So today I want to talk about, uh, along the same lines, um, I've entitled the message, Do You Hear Me? And uh, sometimes I ask the Lord after I pray, Lord, are you hearing me? Lord, do you hear me? And he says, yeah, I hear you. But today I want to talk about uh, things we can do that will guarantee that the Lord hears us. Um, I thought about... uh, preaching this week on, on, say, the prayer, some prayers of Daniel or Nehemiah or even Paul. There's several prayers in the Bible, you know. But the Lord brought me back to the, the, the source. He said, you know what? Preach on prayer the way Jesus taught everyone to pray. So I thought, that's a great idea. I'm glad I didn't think of that. But Lord, you thought of that for me. But anyway, so we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And um, let me pray real quickly. Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus... 
Lord, speak to us through this sermon. Uh, Speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place to do your work among your people. Lord, anoint my lips and my mind and my spirit that I may proclaim and teach and preach the word of God. And may this word fall upon ears that desperately need to hear and apply this word to each of our lives. So Holy Spirit, do your work. You be the teacher. I'll be the speaker. But Lord, just teach us what we need to know. Be glorified, O God. Let your church be edified as a result. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's, let's read together verses 9 through 13. You probably know it by heart, but we're going to read it out loud. Our Father in heaven, come on, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The words of Jesus. So as I was preparing, I I looked up the word prayer in a dictionary. And the Oxford Dictionary says that prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or to a spiritual being, I think is, is what it said. I didn't like that part. But I said, okay, well, a request for help, uh, an expression of thanks, I I could accept that. But that's not all that it is. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is more than asking for help or more of uh, giving thanks. It's it's listening, it's beseeching God, it's, it's communing with the Lord, it's fellowshipping with the Lord. So I put together this definition, this is what we're going to go by today. Uh, prayer is the primary means of communicating with God via words, thoughts, heart, spirit, It's a deliberate act. Okay? So prayer, as you probably know, is a lifeline to God. We speak. He listens. He speaks back. We have relationship. It's our lifeline to God. It's the thing that we need to do the most of and probably do the least of. Billy Graham has been quoted as saying, if you could do anything over again, what would it be? He said, well, I would preach less than... And I think that's true for most of us. Uh, we, would, we would do a lot of things less and pray a whole lot more. So in, uh, in Matthew 6, actually verses 5 through 15, Jesus is teaching at the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this has been called the Lord's Prayer for I don't know how long. Uh, it's a well-known passage of Scripture. It's said in most Christian churches and most uh, Christian denominations. It's universally recognized as a legitimate prayer to God. Many of us, I'd say most of us, learned this prayer when we were children. I know I did in parochial school. I didn't know it was scripture at the time. I don't believe someone just said, this is the Lord's Prayer. And it was written down and we well memorized it. It wasn't until later that I realized this is the word of God that they were teaching. But uh, most of us could probably recite it by heart. Uh, So here passage, Jesus is teaching on private prayer. You know, there's a difference between private prayer and public prayer. In fact, he'll often uh, teach against public prayer when the heart is not in the right place. We'll see that in a minute. But he's talking about private prayer, and so we're called to have a prayer room or a prayer closet or a war room. 
You know, we're, we're Christians do that. Christians are taught from the get-go to have a place where you go to meet with God. And I would say this, if you're ever called for public ministry or public prayer, you probably won't have much power or much anointing or, or much oomph uh, in your prayer or in your life unless you spend time in private prayer. As a friend of mine said a long time ago, no prayer, no power. No private prayer, no public power whatsoever. So Jesus is, is honing in on this very important aspect that we need to pray. We need to communicate with our God. So prayer is the primary means of communicating with our God through our words, our thoughts, our heart, and our spirit. And it's a deliberate act. It doesn't just happen, by the way. Prayer doesn't, I mean, it may happen as you're driving in the car sometimes, but, but Jesus isn't talking about some haphazard prayer. He's talking about a deliberate time when we pray to him. So in verses 5 through 8 and verses 14 and 15, he gives what I call prerequisites to prayer. So before he even teaches on what the prayer is, he talks about what's required of us before we even pray. And this is what I mean. Do you hear me? He will hear us if we take care of these prerequisites. If we don't take care of these prerequisites, he'll hear us but not respond to us because our heart is not in the right place. So I want to break this down, and I think there's six different aspects to this I want to look at in verses 5 through 8 and then 14 and 15. So um, they're on the screen up there. But the first thing is in verse number 5, he says, When you pray, uh, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like a pretender. They love to pray standing uh, in, the sh- in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, uh, they have their reward already. The first thing that Jesus is saying is when you pray, you've got to have the right attitude. The right attitude is not about me, it's about you. It's not about us, Lord, it's about you. It's all about you. Prayer is always about God first. The hypocrites love to be loud and long-winded. And look at me, how great I am praying. And Jesus is saying, you know what? They have their reward already. They'll have all their accolades now. But God doesn't even hear what they're saying. Our attitude in prayer, come on. Our attitude in prayer should be tears, kisses, oil before God. Brokenness before God. Not here I am, Lord, I'm going to talk to you now. No, it's brokenness before God. Humility before God. Okay, the second thing in verse number 6 is that he says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. We've got to have the right place. I, I wondered this morning if I was sounding legalistic by saying we've got to have a place to go pray at. But then I thought Jesus said it, not me. I'm just telling you what's in the Word of God. He said to find the room to go to. Find the place to go to. And you can close the door and get alone with God. We've got to have the right place. And the right place is what I would call a consistent place. It's always there. It's always available. It's called the prayer closet. That's why it's called, in some cases, a war room, where we do battle with God, battles with demons, battles with ourself. A few years ago, Pastor Brazil had told me that when he lived in the parsonage over there, his prayer room was on the third floor, looking out the window, looking at the church. He'd go there every day to pray. That, that was, that's what he did. That was his prayer room. I don't use that as my prayer room. I have a prayer room over here that I use. But I've had different places over the years that I call my prayer, my prayer space. And so we, we need to find the right place to pray. Does that sound a little heavy-handed to you? Talk to me a little bit. Yes, no, maybe so. 
But Jesus said this. Jesus said, find the room. And when you go into your room, shut the door, because no one needs to hear what you have to say. Just me. I just want it, I want it to be me and you. And no private prayer, I'm telling you right now, no public power. No private prayer, no anointing to do what God wants us to do. So we, we need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right place to go to. The end of verse 6 is the third one. We need to have the right understanding. Jesus said here, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It's an understanding of the word of God. It's an, an understanding of how God operates. It's an understanding of spiritual truths. That what, whatever we say and do in secret, he hears us and he responds and rewards us or answers the prayers accordingly. Sometimes, however, the blessing or the reward that we get from spending time with him will have nothing to do with the prayers that we said. Are you with me? We could be praying about some situation, and later on that day, we're, we're diverted from a terrible car accident that has nothing to do with the prayer that we never prayed, Lord, keep me from a car accident. But, but because we prayed over there in the first place, his blessing is on us that day. He, we, he hears, he sees in secret, but he rewards us openly. We have to believe in uh, Hebrews eleven six that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we need to understand this, because you know why? If you're like me, there may be things that you pray about for a season, for two seasons, for a year, for a couple of years, and you're not seeing anything. You're not seeing the result of the prayer. But the understanding is, my Father sees me. My Father hears me. He's going to bless me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to be, you know, whatever's going on. That thing is under, under the blood. And His protection will be on me in my life. Because He will reward me openly as I spend time with Him privately. The fourth one is this. We need to have, verse number 7, we need to have the right voice. Or the right words. I would say the right words, but I don't want to sound super legalistic because it's not the words that we say per se, but he says in verse 7, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Uh, we can't chant. We don't have a mantra to say. Uh, we, we, we're not repetitious. Uh, we're, not, we're not even saying many, many words, and we're not monotonous, but we're, we're like wholeheartedly, heart-to-heart, speaking out to God. He wants real conversation. He doesn't want a written-down prayer that's been memorized over the generations. He wants a, he wants a prayer that comes from our heart. And, and, and to think that, well, if I, if I say it over and over and over and over the same way, he's bound to hear me. He's not looking for that. He's looking for a heartfelt cry with the right voice, the right words, the right attitude behind it. In Luke chapter 18, there's a story that I love. It's the story of the rich man and the, and the tax collector. The rich man, it says, uh, was praying one day. He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like the extortioners. I'm not like the adulterers. I'm not like the thieves or whatever. I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast, I fast uh, two times a week. I tithe on everything I own. I'm glad I'm not like those guys. And there's a tax collector over in the corner. And it says he's over there quietly beating his breast, saying, Oh God, forgive me for my sins. And it says one of those persons left justified 
and the other one left condemned. Can you guess which one it was? But see, God is looking for a voice and an attitude that is humbly broken before him. Not chanting, not mantras, not repeating things, but wholehearted communication with him. In verse number 8, we see, uh, we see another attribute of this. We need to have the right faith. I, I was always perplexed by the Lord's Prayer, to tell you the truth. Because in verse number 8, Jesus says, Your Father knows what you need before you even ask. But when you pray, pray like this. I always was like, okay, Lord, I, I get that. But if you know what I need before I ask, why do I have to spend time with you? Why do I have to, why do I have to articulate what's on my mind if you know already? And so the faith that we have says that our God, yeah, he wants to hear our prayers, but greater than that, he wants to commune with us. He wants to fellowship with us. You ever notice how we, saints of the Lord, love to have fellowship together? That's because we have a quality of God living in our heart. He loves to fellowship with his people, so we've got some of that. So the right kind of faith would say, yeah, Lord, you know what I need before I even ask, but I I realize you want to spend time with me. Last week I had shared from Luke chapter 7 about the Pharisee and the sinful woman, how, how the Pharisee was thinking. If Jesus knew what, what kind of woman this was, he'd never let her touch his feet and anoint his feet with oil and kiss his feet. And Jesus read his mind and, and called him out on it. And so we could never hide things from the Lord. He knows what we need. He knows what we say. And Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2, we read this, that, Lord, you understand my thought afar off. You understand how I operate, how I think, how I process. Lord, you understand me. So we can't hide anything from God. Our faith tells us that our God knows us, our God loves us, and he wants to spend time with us. Amen? Verses 14 and 15, this one was really tricky. He's saying, in order to really pray and have me hear you, you've got to have a clean relationship with me, and you've got to have a clean relationship with other people. He says, uh, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So part of the prayer is about forgiveness, but he's saying as you get ready to pray, you've got to be at peace with God. You've got to confess your sins before God. You've got to make amends with other people and clear the slate with other people. So before we even begin to pray, all these little things have to be thought about and worked out in our spirit. Our attitude has to be right. The place where we're going to meet has to be a real, a real legitimate place that we go to to pray. Personally, I I, I operate better when I'm organized. I think that's another trait that God is organized, and we have some of that in our spirit. We tend to do better when we're organized. So I know right now I've got a place I go to pray to every day. I have basically the same time I go to it every single day. It, It helps me function better. Instead of haphazardly, well, I'll pray later or I'll do this or do that. I've been down that road too. But when I'm organized and structured, it works better for me. So when we have the right attitude, the right place, we have a, a knowledge and an understanding. We have the right, right voice that we say, which is sincerity. We have the right faith. We have the right relationships. Then we're, we're basically in a position to really commune with God and to cry out to God. Our heart is in the right place.
Our faith is established. Our, and we trust him with whatever is on our mind at that time. So those are all prerequisites. But let me just throw in a little footnote here. There may be a time when we don't have time to deal with the prerequisites, like in a tragic situation or a real tumultuous problem that we might be having. We're talking about daily, the daily routine of prayer, the habit of it, you know, uh, what he's looking for among his people. So I, I want to I encourage everyone to, to ponder those prerequisites because sometimes we think, I don't know if God's hearing me. And he may not be, well, he is hearing us, but he may not be responding to us because our heart is way out of whack. And so we need to address those issues as we come before him. Again, last week's message, I, I did do that this week. I really did. I, 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 I said, Lord, hear my tears, my brokenness. You know, and, and he said, you're forgiven, you're good, you're okay. Lord, here's my kisses, here's my worship. You're saved, you're good, I, I hear you. Here's my oil. Yeah, your, your, your gifts, your, your good deeds. Yeah, go in peace. I'm always looking for little things to go by to, to make my prayer time more doable. I don't know about you. Have you ever, I don't know, no hands raised. Have you ever spent an hour in the presence of God and not even say anything? I, I've done that. And it's okay. But sometimes I, I leave feeling like I haven't touched God. Sometimes I do in those situations, but I, I like to have a plan of action when I go to God. I function better that way. So someone asked me a few weeks ago, can I teach on prayer? And so this month has been kind of designed to talk about communing with God. I mean, if you want to go back and think about it, if we really want to pray, abide in the vine. You know, be in the vine. You know, get into the vine. If we, want to, uh, if we want to commune with God, even in the wilderness experiences, when things are not going well, God often speaks to us there. You know, Jesus is waiting for our tears and our, and our, and our kisses and our oil. And here, here's the Lord's Prayer. So verses 9 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. And he gives five major topics of what to pray about. So I want to go through this and uh, I want to, uh, hopefully, hopefully these five points will be something that you could write down, you could think about, you could ponder as you begin your prayer time this week. The first thing is exaltation to God. We need to come into his presence, and this is Jesus' teaching. Come into his presence, come into your, your, your quiet room, your, your secret place, and just begin to exalt the Lord. He says in verse number 9, he says, Our Father. Our Father. And if there's any remedy for racism in the world today, it's these two words, Our Father. That breaks down all the racial barriers. That breaks down all the social barriers. That puts us all on an equal setting. Our Father. We're all sinners saved by grace. You are all of our Father. You are all of our Father. And so our Father, he's saying, don't cry out to Peter. Don't cry out to Paul or to Mary. 
Don't cry out to any deceased saints you may hear about. Don't cry out to the trees or the ocean or the moon or the sun. Cry out to our Father. He's the living and true God. He's a triune God. We come to the Father, right, through the Son Jesus, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, you know, we, we cry, our Father, 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 designating sonship or daughtership. We have a heavenly Father that cares about us. The first thing he says to do, go into your room, shut the door so no one can even hear you, because no one has to hear what you have to say, and you begin to exalt your God in heaven. That's good advice right there. When you do that, yeah, I will hear you, Jesus says. Romans 8.15, we looked at it a few weeks ago in our Wednesday night study. The Lord has not given us a spirit of bondage again, bringing us to fear, but, he's, but we have received the spirit of what? Of adoption by which we cry out, what? Abba, Father. So it makes perfect sense that Jesus would say, when you pray, the first thing you pray is, our Father is bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. He says, our Father who is in heaven, our Father has a heavenly throne, a heavenly place. Our Father is glorified and magnified. He's majestic. And our Father is in heaven, a real place for a real God. Like we have our secret prayer room, he has his throne that he's sitting on. And we have access there by the blood of Jesus Christ. Note that our Father is in heaven. Hallelujah. Our Father, I I learned it as our Father who art in heaven. But our Father in heaven. So if we talk about heaven, we've got to talk about the other place. Just as heaven is real, hell is just as real. But our Father is in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A real place, a real place, and hell is a real place too for those that will not submit to our Father in heaven. So our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When I was a kid, I had no clue what hallowed meant. I had no clue what that meant. I didn't know for a long time it meant holy, but holy is your name. Reverenced is your name. Uh, special, uh, sacred, uh, uh, venerated is your name. So he's saying, when you pray, man, go into your closet, shut the door. And, and, and reading between the lines, you could be as loud as you want or as quiet as you want. But lift up, the, lift up God, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Holy, blessed is your name. Yeah, then I'll hear you. Notice the prayer has nothing to do with, with you or me right now. The prayer is all about God. That's, that's a, a lesson right there. Prayer is about God. It's not about us. It's about God. So he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name? Well, that's a whole other couple of sermons right there to talk about his name. But your name is holy. Your name is powerful and good. Your, your name is unique. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rafi, our healer. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Jehovah Shalom, our peace, etc. His name is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. His name is the great I am. The, the, his name is I always was and always will be. His name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the king of kings. He's a soon coming king. 
He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's Christ, the anointed one. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In my Bible, I have three and a half columns of little tiny print about the names of, of Christ. There's so many names representing his character, his, his role, his purpose. But hollow it be, holy is your name. And we could spend a lot of time on that one little verse, verse number nine. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And when we pray like that, Jesus hears our prayer. Our God, our God hears our prayer. So Lord, do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you when you exalt the name of the Lord. That's number one. And number two is this, verse number 10. Jesus said, when you pray, pray that, that your kingdom, Lord, your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so I'm going to praise you and exalt you. And then I'm going to say, Lord, let your will be done. So what he's saying is here, don't pray for your agenda. Don't pray for what's on your mind just yet. Pray that God will do what he wants to do. What do we know from Scripture about his kingdom and his will? His kingdom and his will is awesome. Remember when you were born again? I remember being born again. And, and all of a sudden, things that were important weren't important anymore. And, and eternal things were important. Spiritual things were important. Like, like staying in the graces of God was now important to me. Reading the word of God was important to me. What is God's will? His will is to, to proclaim the gospel. His will is that everyone would be saved and come to repentance, come to know God. So he's saying, when you pray, pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done in heaven as it is in earth. Jesus later said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you, that where I'm going, there you may come too. And so I'm, when it's ready, I want to come back for you. This is his kingdom. So we need to be praying, Lord God, not my will, not my agenda, but let your will be done. Let people get saved. Let my family get saved. Let this church be rooted and established in the Holy Ghost. Let your church in Haverhill be a powerful source, a force that you would use for the glory of God in these difficult days. Lord, what are you doing with this pandemic? What are you doing with, uh, with uh, the racial violence and the social things that are going on? What are you doing with these riots in Portland and Chicago and Kansas City and all over the country? What's going on, Lord? Lord, let your, let your spirit move in those situations, oh God. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I think of, I think of rap, the rapture. I think of the tribulation time. I think of the, uh, the second coming of Christ. I think of the thousand-year reign of Christ. I think of a new heaven and a new earth. But part of the prayer is pray that God's will is done. We've been saying a lot during this pandemic. Second Chronicles 7.14 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and uh, forgive their sin and heal their land. And so we're using this, this pause, this holy pause since March to draw closer to God. But Lord God, let your will be done in this situation. Let your Holy Spirit do what you want to do through this pandemic. Lord, do what you want to do. This is an election year. Lord, do what you want to do during this time. Lord, bring in the people into, into, into prominence and power that you want to bring in so that your will would be accomplished through, through politics or whatever. Let your will be done. So we need to be praying, Lord, let your will be done. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But in the meantime, O oh God, let your 
perfect will be done in this place. Now I find it interesting that the next verse is the shortest one in the whole conglomeration of the scriptures, which, which says, give us this day our daily bread. All the rest of them are kind of meaty, like worshiping God, let your will be done. You could kind of talk about that for a while. But the, when it gets to our personal needs, just one little line, give us this day our daily bread. So finally he's getting to the point, you have to bring your needs before God. He wants to know what's going on with you. He wants to hear your voice and your concerns. So give us this day our daily bread. I had a, a, a Catholic priest that was a, a friend of mine, and uh, he, would say, he would say, notice it says daily bread, so as to keep you close to the table. You've got to come to that table every single day to get your daily bread portion of spiritual food that you need from God. So make it a daily thing. Your prayer closet should be a daily experience, not a once a month thing. But daily we come before the Lord to seek and to request the spiritual help that we need for that day. So whether it's a physical need, Lord, I pray that you give me daily bread today to to make my body healthy and strong. Uh, Let me do what I need to do this day. Let me take care of business the way I have to. Let me be in good health. Let me be emotionally stable, Lord. Let me not be uh, bogged down with all the stresses of life. But Lord, give me your, give me daily food today. Give me, give me daily bread today to make me function properly. And it's really important, I think, to pray in the morning. Now that may sound a little legalistic too, but you never know what's going to happen later in the day. It's better to pray. The earlier the better, because you don't know what's going to happen at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I, I want to pray early. David said, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you, because the Lord only knows what's going to happen. I want to give the Lord my day before too much happens. I've been trying to pray even now, before I even speak to anybody. And sometimes it's hard to do that, believe it or not, because of texting and different things. And, but I, I want to I I get out of the house and into my place before I even communicate with anybody. I don't want to look at the phone. I don't want to look at a text message. I don't want to hear the news. I just want to get alone. I want to wake up and boom, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go somewhere and spend time with God. So I could ask God for my daily bread. Because only He knows what's going to happen at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. If I wait too long, I may miss the opportunity for God's blessing. So I want to pray, Lord, I need daily bread. I need, it, I need it early. The earlier, the better. We need to pray for our spiritual bread. Let the Word of God, and I, maybe you've been here too, where you read a passage in the Word, and man, it, it, it falls flat. It's not the Word's fault. It's our fault, but it falls flat. I don't want to read the Word just to say, I read the Word today. I want to read the Word that's alive. I want it to come alive in my heart and in my spirit. Lord, give me spiritual food. Give me my, my daily portion. Give me my, my, my daily bread as I read, even if I read a couple of verses. Let it be food for my spirit, man. I don't need my head knowledge. I need, I need spirit knowledge. I need spiritual food. I don't need head knowledge in the morning. I need, I need something spiritual to, to kind of grab me and get me. And, and I, Lord, give me, give me daily bread for my practical needs, Lord, my finances, my relationships. My kids, my work issues. Lord, give me daily bread for that one person that you know who it is. Lord, give me daily bread for that one situation. You know what's going on, Lord. But Lord, I need your food. I need your nourishment. I need your help for those couple of things that I have to deal with today. 
And as we, as we go before the Lord like this, we, we're like, said, you know, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. So Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Exalt God. Right? Exalt God. Pray that his will is done in all the situations you're concerned about. And finally, bring your needs before him, but pray for daily bread to come from his table to your, to your heart. Okay, number four is this, verse number 12. Part of the, the prayer that Jesus is is about forgiveness. Sometimes I would feel that I need to repent before I do anything else, but in, in this case, Jesus is saying, no, exalt the Lord first, pray his will to be done, bring your needs before the Lord, and then ask for forgiveness from God, and forgive other people as well. So part of the prayer must be reserved for coming clean before God. And we already established he knows our heart anyway. He knows what our mind, he knows what we're thinking. He knows what we've done. So we don't want to spend an hour in prayer and miss the elephant in the room. You know, and not deal with the issue that's really the issue. Whatever the issue is. God knows what it is, and you know what it is, I know what it is. But we can spend the whole time with God and not deal with the elephant in the room. Well, I prayed today. Hallelujah. Did he hear my prayer? I don't know. Well, there's an obstacle in the way. You hit it. Repent. That's why. Go in the room and close the door. Nobody needs to hear what you have to say. This is daily prayer. This is private prayer. This is where we get our oomph from. This is where we get our power from. We spend time with God. We close the door. We worship God. We call upon his name. We ask for our needs to be met. Then we repent. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember yesterday I did that. I thought that. I, uh, I said this. Uh, Lord, uh. if you can't remember, do what David said. Oh, God, uh, search me, oh, God, and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. I'll guarantee you'll find something. <laughs> daily, this is. Daily. I remember when I was in college... One of the very first times a person witnessed to me, he, he called me into his dorm room and he was telling me about God and about the Bible. And he said to me, he said, you know how many times I have to repent? I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe once a year or something. I didn't know. He said, I got to repent every single day. And I looked at him like, man, I don't know if I want to be hanging around you if you have to repent every single day. But I, he, was tr- he was right. I realized it. I didn't realize it then. But there's stuff that accumulates every single day. And he wants to clean the slate every single day. So it says what? Verse number, number 12. Forgive us our de- debts is another word for sins. Forgive us our sins. Forgive me of my sins, oh God. The way I thought, the way I spoke to somebody, the way I, I was planning something in my head. I'm glad it never happened, but Lord, the thought was, or whatever, whatever it is. When I got mad at that guy that cut me off on the road, whatever. You know, the, the aggravation we have, whatever was going. But Lord, forgive me of my sins. And, and, and I, I, we would have to pray also, Lord, help me to forgive that other person that offended me or hurt me or spoke bad about me. Because now I, in studying, you realize that the forgiveness we get from God is kind of linked to the forgiveness that we give to other people. So we can't have a grudge against somebody that said something to us 20 years ago or whatever. 
you know, and, and have that bitterness and that angst against that person, expect God to forgive us. The Lord says very clearly, different passages. Matthew 18 is another one. The way we forgive others is the way God forgives us. James 2 says that uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's better to show mercy to someone. Let them off the hook. Even if it's your, your father, your mother, your kids, let them off the hook. They did it. All right. You got hurt. Okay. Let them off the hook. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. When you judge them, you're condemning them. That's not our place to do that. But forgive them so that we would stand forgiven before God. This is very important. A very important aspect of, of the prayer. So we, we, we pray, Lord, forgive us of our sins, and, and Lord, help us to forgive other people. Lord, actually, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive that, that person who, in that situation that offended me, that bothered me, that hurt me. In fact, we don't have a right to even be offended anymore as a Christian person. You know, Jesus took all of our offenses and what? Nailed them to the cross. So any offense that we feel, give it to God. Give it to God. It's not worth it to hang on to some offense. It's going to affect us in many different ways. Primarily, God won't even forgive us and cleanse us of our heart because we're holding a grudge against somebody else. So whenever I deal with this personally, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I always want to leave the prayer. And I'll, I'll quote scripture. I'll, I'll read passages of the Bible. I'll bear my soul before God. I'll let it all out. I'll let it all out. And I want to leave there feeling forgiven and cleansed and not guilty. I don't want to feel guilty anymore. You know, I, I'm done. I, I, what could I do? I did it. I'm, I'm wrong. I am want to feel guilty. I, I confess it. I want to walk out of there with new determination, new zest in my spirit, a, a new motivation not to go down that road again. Are you with me? This is a daily thing Jesus is saying to do. Go into your room, shut the door, and let's do some business right now. That's like in Luke 7 last week when, when Jesus was reading Simon's mind, the Pharisee, you know, well, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't be allowing her to do that. Jesus says, Simon, I've got something to say to you. So we go into our prayer room, we shut the door, and Jesus probably has something he wants to say to us. So, yeah, we ask for forgiveness, and we live in forgiveness. We live in grace. We appreciate grace and mercy. We don't abuse it, and, and we strive to do better the next time. Okay, then the fifth aspect of the prayer is uh, I would call the spiritual warfare, verse 13. Which, I, to tell you the truth, I never really focused on this as being part of the Lord's Prayer. But it is. He says, uh, he says okay, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus has a little, a little spot here for spiritual warfare. Lord, Lord God, don't lead us into temptation. Lead us away from temptation. Uh, as the scripture says, when temptation arises, run away from it, flee from it. But there is the evil one to deal with. So we're praying to God, you know, praying to God for spirit, against spiritual warfare, that we would have the strength and the ability, ability to fight against the evil forces that want to trip us up and bring us down. Can I give you a few words about Satan? He's called, he referred to as an angel of light. Can I tell you, that angel of light is a liar from the pit of hell. He's called a roaring lion. He, he roams like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's already a defeated enemy. 
You could say he's all big talk, he's big powerful, but he's, he's nothing on the inside. He's a defeated enemy. He's the author of confusion, and he's the most confused of all. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's already been sentenced and condemned to an eternity of fire and brimstone. So Jesus is saying, you know what? Um, pray against the evil one. Stand against the evil one. Um, and then he says in verse 13, For yours, O God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's not Satan's dominion. This is God's dominion. We're, we're in a different realm. We're, we're in the world. We're not of the world. We're, we're, we're living as pilgrims and sojourners walking through this life. But our kingdom is not here. It's there. And so we have a different way we look at it, a different way that we, we process and live in this world. So, Lord, help me in light. And as we pray, we're proclaiming God's victory, God's triumph, God's plan, God's faithfulness. Remember when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4? Three times he was tempted by Satan. Three times he defeated the temptation by quoting the word of God. And it says, Luke says, Satan left until another opportune time. So the temptations continued. But, so the battle we're in is real, but as we resist, as we pray, as we surrender to God, he gives us the ability to overcome those evil forces that we sense in our lives. So, do you hear me? You know, the Lord says, yeah, I hear you when you exalt the Father. When you pray that God's will is done. When you're praying for people to get saved. And your prayers are focused on spiritual things. When you're praying for your needs, you know, the needs that you have. When you're living in forgiveness and, and asking for forgiveness and granting forgiveness. And when you're fighting spiritual forces. Yeah, then I, I hear your prayers. I think that's pretty powerful. Don't you? This is Jesus' teaching. And I, like I said, I was going to teach from Daniel or Nehemiah. And they have great prayers that they said. But there's nothing like this prayer. This is, this is an outline. This is like a, a format to go by to pray. So exaltation, praying his will, uh, praying for my needs, praying for forgiveness, praying for spiritual warfare. So as we close this out today... This is what I want to leave you with. Uh, first thing is this. I want, to, I want to encourage you. If you don't have one, I'm going to encourage you. Make a place. Find a place. Create a place where you can pray. Nobody can hear you. You can let it out. Either shut the door literally or proverbially. Go to some place where no one's going to bother you, interrupt you, or hear you. And have a heart-to-heart with God. This is the first step. And do this every day. I would challenge you this week, if you're not in the habit of praying every day, like deliberately, I would challenge you this week. Start today if you have to. Go somewhere for a half an hour, or 15 minutes, whatever. doesn't have to be long. 15 minutes, say. Go somewhere for 15 minutes and just sit there or kneel there or whatever you want to do and be alone with God and then go over this little outline about exalting him, praying his will, meeting your needs, forgiving your sins and others and having spiritual warfare. I'll guarantee you, you'll sense the presence of God. I'll guarantee you that will happen. So create a space, whether it's at home or in the backyard or at at your workplace or in a park somewhere. Just find a place, make a place. In Acts 16, I love this little verse. It really has nothing to do with anything, but it fits into this pretty well. Paul said, we're going to the riverside. 
where it was customarily the place where people met to pray. So if you, if you have to go to the riverside, but go somewhere. And when he was at the riverside, he met Lydia and all of her household, and they were praying, and that one thing led to another, and she ended up getting saved. The point was, they had a meeting, they had a place to go to. So you and I need a place to go to. Remember that movie? I think the movie was called The War, the War Room. The lady just went into a place, and she battled demons and flesh. She struggled with God, but that was her place. She'd go in there and shut the door, literally. And it moves mountains. I'm, I'm asking you, church, find a pl- create a place this week, if you don't have one, and do it every day from now till next Sunday and see what happens. Number two is this. Clear your mind. I like verse uh, Matthew 6.10, where Jesus said, uh, let, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So in order to, get, to have that mindset, we've got to clear our mind of the stresses and the anxieties that we deal with every single day. Just for a little bit of time, let everything go. Clear your mind, and, 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 and Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. So find a place, clear your mind, right? And the third one is just give glory to God. Uh, verse number nine, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give God the praise. Give God the glory. Give God the honor. That's the first and most important thing because our prayer time is not about us and our needs per se. It's about him being exalted. And in that relationship, we're exalting God. He's looking at us and wants to take care of us as we submit to his lordship. So after we exalt him, we make our request known that we're in the right position to hear back from him. Acts 7.55 is a little couple of verses about Stephen. I mentioned it last week, I think it was. When Stephen was getting ready to be stoned to death, he lifted his eyes to heaven, giving praise, and he says he saw the glory of God and saw Jesus sitting at the right hand. Something about giving glory and honor to God, it just does wonders for us. And as Stephen was getting stoned to death, you know the story? People said, it looks like he's seen angels. His face was radiant with the presence of God. When we spend time with God, I'm telling you, our face changes. Our countenance changes. Our disposition changes. We've been with the living God that we know. So... Those five points are crucial, I believe. Uh, you know, there's other ways. People have written books about how to pray. Another thing, real quickly, that I, sometimes I do, I read this book many, many years ago. I forget the name of the book. Something like, Could You Not Pray for One Hour? But this author said there's five components of prayer that, are, that you need to remember. First thing is praise. Second thing is thanksgiving. Third thing is repentance. Fourth thing is petition. Fifth thing is worship. So one day, I got those five things, and I I spent time in my Bible getting a bunch of verses for praise, a bunch of verses for thanksgiving, a bunch of verses for repentance, a bunch of verses for petitioning, and a bunch of verses for worship. I have them memorized in my mind. This is like almost 20 years ago now. I I could quote them right now. I could spend an hour on those five topics and go through a whole cycle of prayer. With, with that outline. Me, I like having outline. I like to have some direction. Although there's sometimes when I pray, forget the outline, I just need to cry out, and I do that too. 
But generally speaking, this is, this is daily prayer we're talking about. This is, like, this is like what we should be doing every day. So this outline in the Lord's Prayer, exaltation, praying His will, meeting my needs, forgiving, uh, forgiveness of my sins, and spiritual warfare, those five things are really important. So I would encourage you, write this down and do it. Do it. If no one does it, this sermon is out the window. It's, it's worth two cents. But if we do it, we will benefit tremendously from it. We'll have the power of God upon our lives as never before. And I don't need to tell you, but in this day and age, my goodness, we need to be prayed up. There's too much stuff going on. I wake up in the morning, and I'm, I'm, sometimes I think, what's going to happen today? either locally or nationally or worldwide. What's going to happen today? And every day something happens. Okay, I want to close by reading uh, Matthew 6, 8. And I want this to get into our spirit during this season. It's up on the screen, but if you could read this or say this with me. Uh, But you, say it with me, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let's stand together. Let's say that again. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let's say it one more time. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. For those of you on live stream, I'm speaking to you too. you got to find a place to get alone with God and just to seek His heart, seek His face. Every head bowed for just a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of questions here. First of all, is there anyone here this morning that feels like, I just need to get right with God. I've been drifting. I've been all over the place. I, need, I lost my, my bearing. I've got to get back in touch with God. Anyone like that at all? I need to redo my life with God. Anyone like that? Okay. Second one is this. Does anyone feel a conviction to really put your best foot forward and your best effort to meet with God every single day? Anyone feel that conviction to do that? All right, good. Does anyone feel a conviction to, to create a space to do that in? Yeah, good. it's good to do that. Good. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're praying right now. Lord, I want to pray according to the Lord's prayer. Lord, that you would lead us deeper into the things that you have for your people. Lord, we've heard it said, and, and there's seminars, and there's books, and there's everything online about prayer. We could talk about prayer for the next 20 years and never be good at praying. Lord, help us now to begin to pray, not just to learn about prayer, but to actually pray. I pray, Lord, that that this sermon would would be life-changing for our people, that these principles about exalting you and praying for your will and praying that our daily bread would would come, etc. I pray, Lord, that these aspects of the Lord's Prayer would be incorporated into our spirit, and we would, we would determine and set out to pray every single day of our lives from here on out until we meet you face to face. 
And Lord, I know what that's going to be like for some of us. Everything's going to go wrong. Everyone's going to get super busy. We're going to have a million interruptions. But Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will allow this to happen, that each one of us could find a spot, a place, a a space to meet with you every single day to, to worship and to call upon your name and to get spiritually fed by you. And Lord, I pray for that to happen. I pray that it begins today. I pray, Lord, that we would see the results of this in our church, in our families, at our workplaces, um, in our loved ones that may not know you yet, that they would come to know you. I pray, Lord, that we would see radical changes take place. So, Lord, we give it all to you and pray for your help in praying the way you taught us to pray. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, you are dismissed to go. Uh, We need to go out that front door there. Uh, So any fellowship could be out on your way out and out out in the yard there. Uh, God bless you. Have a great week.